And I'm going to read a couple of verses, and we're going to talk to you today about heaven. Anybody want to hear about heaven? Some people are so afraid if they come to church, they're going to hear about hell. Well, I may mention hell today a little bit, but we mainly want to talk about heaven. And I'm calling this suited up for heaven, and I'll explain that in just a moment. But let's look at some of the most controversial statements of Jesus, where that little phrase, born again, is found. And born again has been so twisted and skewed and misunderstood in our day. And we're going to look at what it really means today and talk about that beautiful place called heaven. Now, Jesus said in John 3, 1 to 4, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, so no, none of his compadres would know he was going to see Jesus, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Now, you would think Jesus would say, thank you very much. I'm so glad you believe in me. But no, he launched into a powerful statement. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, this threw him. This was a Pharisee. This was a scholar. This was an Old Testament professional. And he says, what do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? It went right over his head. Jesus replied, Humans can reproduce only human life. Amen? But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Catch that. So powerful. Flesh begets flesh. Spirit begets spirit. See where Jesus is going. He says, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Why? Because flesh alone can't enter heaven. You must be born of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today, and we pray that you will illuminate us, make us clear on that place called heaven and how you get there, what must take place. And Lord, we thank you for the illumination of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me talk to you about this today. Um, I'm continually amazed at the, the lack of understanding amongst a lot of church people uh, on things like heaven, and that has to be because of the pulpit. There's an old saying, if there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pews. If the pulpit doesn't understand it, the people sure don't understand it. So I want us to be clear about that place called heaven. Uh, last week we talked about the actual place, that heaven is not an idea or a figment of somebody's imagination or a myth or a fable. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is not out of Greek mythology or Brothers Grimm. Heaven, according to Jesus Christ, is a place. It's a location. It's a, it's a real place where the redeemed will go and the redeemed will live. So heaven is a place. Now, having established that last week, we're going to look today at something else. I want to talk about being suited up for heaven. How are we made ready? For that place called heaven. What happens when we die? And how are our bodies resurrected from the dead? Now I want you to first notice that Jesus laid down the primary requirement, the prerequisite for being able to get into heaven. 
And he said, in essence, we must be suited up for heaven by the new birth. You must be born again, Jesus said. It, flesh begets flesh, but spirit begets spirit. You must have a revolutionary experience with the Spirit of God. Now let me just kind of make this simple. When an athlete prepares to go on to the football field, he's told to suit up. You better get the gear on because the field will not receive you. You will be hurt in that field unless you're suited up. You're not ready unless you put on those shoulder pads, the helmet, and all the gear. Very simple. When a person prepares to scuba dive, he has to suit up. He's got to put on scuba gear. He's got to put on an oxygen tank. He's got to put on the mask. He's got to do all that. Why? Because as he is, he's not ready to live in the water. He's got to suit up. Catch this now. If you want to experience heaven, you're not ready for it. You're not prepared or, or as it were, suited up to go there until you are suited up with a brand new nature. God does not lead us into rehabilitation. I don't think there's anything wrong with rehabilitation. That's great, but I'm not talking about rehabilitation when I talk about being suited up for heaven. I'm not talking about being, becoming a better person. I'm not talking about a New Year's resolution. Neither was Jesus. We're not talking about uh, uh, deciding to quit a certain habit and thereby preparing yourself for heaven. No. We're talking about a spiritual transformation a spiritual renewal that takes place when a person looks up and says, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me and that you rose again from the dead on my behalf, and I'm asking you to forgive me for my sins and come into my heart as my Savior and Lord. When you do that, something happens that is supernatural, that has really very little to do with you, in fact, nothing to do with you. The Spirit of God comes into your heart and you experience a spiritual regeneration, a spiritual transformation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. You experience a brand new nature. We all have a fallen nature. We all have a nature that was, when we were born, we were unplugged from God. So what does the Lord do? He has got to bring our spiritual man back to life. We need a spiritual rebirth. We will never go to heaven without a spiritual rebirth. It is the gear. It's the scuba gear. It's the gear by which we are able to enter in. We've got to undergo a fundamental change and that only comes by the person of Jesus Christ now not only does a person receive a brand new nature anybody in here received a new nature when you got saved did you get a new nature did you notice the change Jesus brought into your life isn't it beautiful the things you used to hate now you love things you used to love now you hate look at look at what you're doing now here you are on a beautiful day when so many people are in parks and going out into the outdoors, here you are sitting in church worshiping God. How did that happen to you? It happened because one day you were lost, and then he touched you, he convicted you, and you were found. One day you were dead, and now you're alive. One day you were blind, but now you see. And the Lord has changed your life. 
And it is a spiritual miracle. It is a miracle rebirth. But not only does the person who turned to Christ receive a new nature, but also a spiritual resurrection from death to life. We are made alive because we were once dead. Listen to Ephesians 2.1. And you, he made alive. Well, how can I be made alive when I was alive? Listen to what he says. You, he made alive who were dead, who were dead, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You and I were dead. And then he made us alive. We once were dead, spiritually dead. And then he made us alive. You know, I think of the story of Jesus when uh, uh, he called that young man to follow him. And the young man said, wait a minute, I need to go bury my father who has just died. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, let the dead bury the dead. Now, I used to read that and go, well, that was kind of cold. That was kind of mean. I mean, Lord, he's going to bury his... What was Jesus saying? He was saying, in my eyes, until you have had a spiritual rebirth, you are as dead as somebody who is about to be buried. See, the world doesn't understand this. We're not talking about going and getting a religion. I didn't go get religion. I turned to Christ, and I was dead. And I was living like a spiritually dead person. I was living in sin, doing sinful things, thinking sinful thoughts, living a sinful life. And that's what dead, spiritually dead people do. But then when I heard the gospel, sitting in a juvenile home at 16 years old, for sale of narcotics, thinking I was headed to prison. I didn't know, but I was about to get out of my real prison, which was sin. And I said, Jesus, come into my life, and right there behind locked doors, my soul got set free, and he who was dead was made alive. You see, Jesus said, that those people burying that dead man, they're dead too until they experience a rebirth. And I want to ask you today, you may be in church, you may know the Word of God, you may have gone through the motions, you may know a lot of Bible verses, but have you been raised from the dead? Do you know that you have been born again? Because when you've been born again, there is no denying it. There is a change. Your life has changed. And once this incredible experience of being born again takes place, the Bible says that we can expect to one day be resurrected from the physically dead. Did y'all know that? Did you know that the resurrection from the dead is one of the core teachings of Christianity? Now, I'm going to open up some eyes here today because some of you have not thought about this, but do you know that when you have been born again, you got raised from the spiritual dead? But there's going to come a day when you're going to hear the voice of the Son of God. And that voice is going to raise you from the physical dead. There is going to be a resurrection from the dead. Christianity, without a resurrection from the dead, is like a beautifully wrapped gift with nothing in it. Christianity without a resurrection from the dead is no Christianity at all. Because the cornerstone promise of the Christian faith is eternal life following a resurrection from the dead. Praise God, one day there is going to be a mighty resurrection all over the world of the dead. I know that sounds like some horror movie, but it's not going to be a horror movie. It's going to be glorious. People who were laid down in that grave are coming out. 
And see, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then let's just sell the building and turn it into a bingo hall because we really have nothing else to say. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. And if Christ has not risen, our preaching amounts to nothing. And your faith is devoid of truth. And it's fruitless, empty, imaginary, and unfounded. He goes on, we are even discovered, talk about the preachers, we are even discovered to be misrepresenting God. For we as preachers of the gospel have testified of him that God raised Christ from the dead. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is a delusion, and you are still in your sins. And further, those who have died believing in Christ have perished. They haven't gone to heaven. If we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life, and that is all, we are of all people most miserable and most to be pitied. Listen, the reason I'm standing in this pulpit is because Christ was raised from the dead. The reason we worship a living God is because Christ was raised from the dead. And the reason I have hope for that moment after I have died that I will be resurrected again is because Christ was raised from the dead. Amen. So there's no question, without a doubt, a great resurrection from the dead is going to one day soon occur. You say, Jeff, you really believe this. Come on, do you really believe there's going to be a resurrection from the dead? How there was going to be a resurrection from the dead? Let me tell you why I believe it. Because the Bible that I hold in my hand teaches it from cover to cover. And the Lord who saved me spoke about a resurrection from the dead over and over and over again. He said that he was going to raise people from the dead. Did you know that Muhammad didn't say that? And Buddha didn't say that? And Confucius didn't say that? And no other world religious leader said that. Only Jesus said, there's going to be a resurrection from the dead, and I'm the one who's going to do it. Listen to John eleven twenty three. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Folks, this ought to stir your blood. We do not have an empty religion. This is not just a philosophy about life. But we serve a Lord of power who has said that one day there will be a resurrection. Jesus said in John 5, 25, Believe me when I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, the time is coming and is here now when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear it shall live. Do not be surprised and wonder at this, for the time is coming when all those who are in the tombs, all those who are in the tombs, think about this, all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and they shall come out. Those who have practiced doing good will come out to the resurrection of new life. And those who have done evil will be raised for judgment. Watch this now. The Bible says that every single human being that has ever lived will one day be resurrected from the dead. They'll be resurrected by the voice of the Son of God. I don't care who they were. I don't care how they lived. I don't care what they believed or didn't believe. The Bible says that 
they will all one day be resurrected. Jesus said if they lived a, a, a good life, that meaning a life of faith in him, they will be resurrected to a new life in heaven. But those who have done evil and resisted God and would not repent and would not turn, he said they'll be raised, resurrected, and brought before God for the judgment. And I tell you solemnly today, as a preacher of the gospel and everybody listening by radio, we would be wise to give heed to the words of the Lord Jesus, who was crucified for our sins, buried, and rose again from the dead according to the word of God. He was resurrected from the dead. He said there is going to be a judgment that we will answer for how we live. And if we don't let the blood of Jesus cover our sins and wash it away, then we must answer for those sins. And the answer will be separation from God at the judgment bar of God. Jesus said, everybody's going to be resurrected. Lenin will be resurrected. Mussolini will be resurrected. That diabolical Hitler will be resurrected. Every atheist that ever lived will be resurrected. Jesus said every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that I am the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Say, well, Pastor, I don't understand. How in the world is God going to bring about a resurrection of the body when a lot of them are just going to be dust or, 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 or they've been dead for centuries or they were cremated? How in the world is God going to do that? It says in Philippians 3.20, here's how God is going to do it. If you wonder how God is going to raise the dead, here it is. Paul wrote, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, from heaven that is, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the same power that enables him to bring everything under his control, by that power that God exercised when he created the world, he will transform, Paul said, transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Can I tell you, saints of God, one day the Lord's going to give you a body that if you worked out for a thousand years, you could not achieve it. You're going to get to give up your Curves membership, your Elaine Powers membership. You're not going to need a gymnasium anymore. God's going to give you a glorified body that will eclipse any body you could ever have. That's what it says. He will transform our glorious bodies so that they are conformed to be like His glorious body. The resurrection of the dead will happen by the sheer power of the same God who spoke something out of nothing, ex nihilo, something out of absolutely nothing. God spoke and the birds filled the sky. God spoke and the stars leapt into space. God spoke and the oceans began to roar. God spoke and everything alive came to be. With his word, he sculpted out the great mountains. With his word, he scooped out the rolling seas. With his word, he hurled countless stars and galaxies through an endless space. Our telescopes today, powerful as they are, cannot reach the end of the galaxies and the worlds and the space that God created. Ephesians 1 says he will do it by the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. 
God is able to raise from the dead. He will speak and it will happen. He will speak and it will come to pass. He will speak and the ashes will come together. And God will bring up a glorified body that brings honor to Him. This resurrection of the dead will be sudden and without warning. The Bible says in a moment, the Greek word atomos, we get Adam from that word. In a moment, so fast you can't divide it. In the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first. It'll be sudden. No one will know it's about to take place and it will happen. It will occur in his perfect timing. Jesus said the times or the dates the Father has set up by his own authority. God the Father knows right now the exact precise moment when he's going to give the order that the dead in Christ will be raised. He knows the exact time when the bodies of every person that ever lived will be raised to meet him at the judgment. The resurrection of the dead will be transformative in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. Metamorphuo is the word. Metamorphize, change from what we are into something that God is going to create. There's a resurrection coming, church. Don't let anybody fool you and don't let the skeptics rob you of your faith. There is a resurrection coming as sure as you're sitting in that chair. And it's going to be a glorious day, a marvelous day. And the skeptics might say something like that. Well, what does a resurrection body look like? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us what a resurrection body gives us an idea. The dead body that we bury in the ground, the Bible says, and the resurrection body that comes from it will be dramatically different. The corpse that's planted is no beauty, but when it's raised, it is glorious. John wrote, it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't have a perfect, we couldn't paint what we shall be because we don't fully know, but he did say this, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will behold him, and the moment we behold him, we will be like him. The Bible teaches that following the resurrection, we will have a real body like the one that Jesus displayed after his resurrection. Luke 24, verse 38, Jesus appeared to them. They were behind locked doors. They had them locked, deadlocked, bolted, deadbolted. They had all the locks on the doors. And all of a sudden, standing in their midst was the Jesus they thought was dead and gone. And what did he do? He said, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this, he said. And as he said this, he showed them his hands pierced, his feet pierced. And he said, you got any food here? I'm kind of hungry in this resurrected body. And the Bible says they gave him a piece of leftover fish that they had cooked. He took it and ate it right in front of their eyes. So Jesus was not a vegetarian. Hallelujah. You can eat veggies only if you want to. Jesus ate fish, and bless God, I'm going to eat fish too. I love fish. Now watch this. Think about it. In what we just read, Jesus, risen from the dead, had a glorified, resurrected body. The Bible says we will too. He could be touched. He possessed muscle and bone. He ate food. 
Yet he appeared to them behind locked doors, unhindered by physical obstacles. He was not subject to gravity or the laws of physics. His glorified body was otherworldly, yet the same as what we have in terms of touching it, eating food, so on and so forth. I believe in the glorified body that we will have, you will think and you will be there. There will be no sweat. There will be no headaches. There will be no cancer. There will be no heart disease. There will be no sickness. There will be no weariness. There will be no aging. There will be no wrinkles. <laughs> you save a lot of money with that glorified body. I read these things and I go, no wonder they were called exceedingly great and precious promises. Do you all realize that what I'm sharing with you right now are exceedingly great and precious promises? It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. You are going to be like Him in your glorified body. That's glorious. I have no doubt in reading the Scriptures we will likely be able to recognize family and friends in that place called heaven. The disciples recognized the glorified bodies of Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, though they'd never even met them. They recognized who they were. They had discernment. They were recognizable. Jesus said in His parable of the rich man who went down into hell, and he had a servant who went to heaven. It says, being in hell, he looked up and he recognized Abraham in heaven. And he recognized his servant, who while he was on earth had been covered with sores and treated badly. And he saw him in heaven and recognized him. When David's little baby, from his adulterous affair with Bathsheba, was born and the baby died, he had been fasting and praying and crying and calling out to God and asking that the baby be spared. But when they came and told him the baby had died, it says he got up, he washed his face, combed his hair, and ate some food. And they said, what are you doing? You were all upset before he died. Now that you know that he died, look at the way you're acting. And he said this. He said, I can't bring him back to me. But one day I will go to him. That's what he said. One day I will go to him. There you have an Old Testament glimpse into a spiritual reality that when someone dies, it's temporary. He said, one day I'm going to my little boy. And he assumed he would be able to recognize him. See, when you die, it's like you change rooms. You go from one room into another room. It's not the end. You go into another realm another dimension, another existence, another place. Not only will we be able to recognize people there, but bodies that were imperfect or destroyed on earth will be perfected in heaven with a glorified body. The Lord Jesus will resurrect bodies that were burned to ashes, devoured by wild animals, racked with disease, and turned to dust in the grave. If we lack sight 
if we lack hearing, if we lack limbs or intelligence on earth. He will recreate and restore those things in heaven. Revelation says, Behold, I make all things new. Those who have died of age, old age, racked with age, wearied out, worn out, tired, parents, family, and friends who have died that way will meet us with invigorated, rejuvenated bodies, no doubt about it. Paul longed for what I'm sharing with you right now. By the Spirit, he wrote these things. Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. When you met Paul, I believe the Scripture is clear. It was difficult on the eyes. He bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He had been whipped three times like Jesus was whipped once. His back had been ripped to shreds and ribbons. Three times, 40 lashes saved one by the cat of nine tails. He received it three times. It took you near death's door. Three times it happened to him. His back was a road map, a road map of his sufferings. Nothing but scars, stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, rejected. His eyes had something wrong. He said, I bear in my body the marks of taking a stand for Jesus. I have been persecuted and beaten to death's door, but I was kept alive by God. Paul needed a new body. And that's why he wrote, by the Spirit of God. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Transformed conformed to look just like Jesus' resurrection body. Won't it be great to never have a pain? Won't it be great to not get up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, oh, oh. <laughs> or you meet somebody that hasn't seen you in years. Hey, you've uh, changed. <laughs> So have you. <laughs> no more aging, no more doctors, though I love doctors and thank God for them. No more sickness, no more disease, no more tears of sorrow, no more broken hearts. No more separation from God. No more temptation, no more devil. I believe in heaven we're going to possess greater knowledge and awareness. Just like you see the world far better when you're in a jet 30,000 feet high, it looks like the whole world's beneath you. From the vantage point of heaven, we're going to know even as we have been known. That's what the Bible says. We will know even as we have been known. Mysteries will disappear and give way to understanding. All of our curiosity about science, creation, and history will be satisfied. Our minds are so limited, it said that even Einstein only used 10% of his brain. Our whole mind will be used. Our knowledge will be like geniuses squared to the hundredth power. Now some of you may be thinking, well, Pastor Jeff, this is all very inspirational, but I'm confused. Here's what I'm confused about. How is it said that when someone dies, they go to heaven, while their bodies lie buried 
awaiting the resurrection. How can they be in two places at once? How does that happen? I have a glove here in my hand. Those of you listening about radio, I'm holding a glove, one of my winter gloves, and I'm putting it over my hand. Let me just show you a little picture here. The glove is the body, your physical body. The hand is your soul. Okay? Here's the soul. Everybody hold up your hand and just do this. My soul. I'm a soul. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Soul. Now, watch this. When the hand is in the glove, it moves, it's animated, it has life. Why does it have life? Because it's inhabited by the soul. See, you can look at me, hear me, amen me. You're here because the hand is in the glove. Okay? And if the hand wasn't in the glove, we'd be making a phone call right now. Because you would be gone. Now watch this. When the hand leaves the glove at death, that's what happens. The hand, the soul, leaves the glove, the body. What happens when that takes place? The hand will go to one of two places. The Bible says if you are lost without God and you have not responded to God and resisted God, not repented, not responded to the light you had, not accepted Christ when you heard the gospel. The Bible says in Revelations that at the great white throne judgment, death and hell will give up or spew up the dead that are in them. So apparently uh, two places, death and hell, are where the hand that is lost goes when it leaves the glove. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, hell uh, is, you know, that fiery place. No, it's not. The lake of fire is the lake of fire. There's nobody or no thing in the lake of fire yet. It is awaiting Antichrist, the, the false prophet, and the great white throne judgment. But there are billions of souls in a place called death and hell. It's not purgatory because you don't work your sins off and get out of there. Y'all hear me? There's no such thing as purgatory. It's not in the Bible. It's just not there. It's given unto a man to die once, and after this, the judgment. You can't make things right after you die. You can't work off your sins in a place called purgatory and then go to heaven. Death and hell are like a waiting room awaiting the great white throne judgment. But now, if you are a believer and here you are, Hallelujah, you're in church, you're praising God, you're living your life. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Watch this. And you die. The soul doesn't die. The hand doesn't die. Just the body quits. And when that happens, what happens? There's no more life. You can watch someone leave this earth. And the first thing that comes out of people's mouths is they're not there anymore. Because they're not. It says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So now the hand doesn't have the glove, but it's in heaven. Hallelujah, glory to God. One way, hallelujah. All right, the glove goes into the ground. Now, what did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? He looked at him and said, please remember when you come in your kingdom, I believe that you are who you said you were. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Well, wait a minute. But they took Jesus' body down off the cross and put him in a grave. They took the thief down and put him in a grave. How could he be with him in paradise? Easy. The glove went into the grave. The hand went into paradise. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. None of that. The minute a believer dies, they're enjoying the presence of the Lord. They're seeing the one that died for them. They are fellowshipping with the Lord. Here goes the glove into the grave. Now what is the promise of the Word of God? Even if it's there 20 centuries, even if it was cremated, because a body that's been in the grave 20 centuries is just as much ashes as somebody that was cremated. Well, how's God going to do that? I, I remind you again, our God spoke something out of nothing. Ashes don't bother God. Now watch this. Here it is in the grave, and what did Jesus say? The day is coming when everyone in the grave is going to hear my voice. Some are going to be raised to life and some to judgment. But let's just talk about you and me. It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, the dead gloves in Christ that were buried, the dead in Christ shall rise. Hallelujah. Here I come. And watch this. Suddenly, he touches that dead body that glove that might only be ashes, and he brings together a glorified body, and up it goes. Shall be caught up together. <laughs> Pastor Jeff, do you really believe this? Do I need to say it again? <laughs> I believe it because my Lord Jesus Christ said it would be. And he's never failed me. And he's always been right. And he is the resurrection and the life. Where he goes, you can't stay in a grave. He's going to bring you out. Because he doesn't just do the resurrection. He is the resurrection. So out of the grave, and you go up to meet him in glory. With a resurrected body. It's the promise. It's the promise. And what a day that will be. Glory to God. Glory to God. What does it say we're going to do? Take our crowns off and throw them at his feet. It's going to be a mighty worship session. It's going to be glory and bliss. Eternal and incomprehensible. The resurrection of the body is coming. Your grandma's coming out. Your distant, distant relatives are coming out. Adam and Eve are coming out. The prophets are coming out. Paul's coming out. Peter, Timothy, John, James, coming out. That's as much a teaching of our faith as God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish. And that would have said, but have everlasting life. Can we stand together? Now I'm going to ask that there be as little movement as possible because I want to ask you a, a question. I have my, the glove over my hand again. Let me ask you. Everybody in here is this way. But 
Are you alive in the glove? The glove can have a beating heart, seeing eyes, and go through the motions of life, but the hand can be dead. Is your, the hand alive in your life? Have you been born again? Are you suited up for heaven? One day, the old glove, it's going down. And the hand will live forever. I'm going to ask us to bow for a moment, can we? Some of you may have never in your life said, Jesus, come into my life. I turn my faith to you for the forgiveness of my sins and for that new birth. I repent to you, Lord. Or maybe you used to walk with him and you've drifted. And I know what that, listen, everyone in here knows what that feels like. And it's a drifting world. But you know what? The Lord is calling you to return. And boy, get that hand on fire with godly zeal again. With your heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories and I want to leave this building certain that the hand, that my soul has been born again or that I have gotten right with the Lord and I'm going to go on with Him 110%. Would you give me the high honor of praying with you today? You say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Quickly do it. And I'm going to pray with you. I see you. God bless you. Many of you. Yes, many. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to forget about everybody in here. And I want you to tell your feet to begin to walk. And I want you to slip up here. I want to take your hand and I want to pray with you. We've all been there. I did this in juvenile home in front of 50 or 60 guys that were making fun of me, but I did it anyway. Well, why do I have to come up there? Because you take one step, and that's a step of faith. And something begins to happen to the hand in that glove immediately when you begin to turn to Christ. So I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, slip out and come right now. And we're just going to worship the Lord, and we're going to wait on you. You come now, and come quickly. Just tell your feet to begin to walk. You've got a will. Tell yourself, start walking. We're going to wait on you right here.